You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. What up, Sea of Red? You're listening to Into the Flames, a Calgary Flames fan podcast. Your home for all things Flames and updates around the NHL. With your hosts, Raja Burry and Noah Eppleston. Into the Flames, new episodes every Sunday. I even may have uh, put another 50 on them in the second intermission because I thought I was going to be witnessing a, a third period comeback again. <laughs> That's not a terrible bet. The fact that we're, we've are we more than tripled the number of comeback wins that we've made this season in comparison to last year is just insane. Right? Yeah. And plus, last time you put you put money down, it was on possible scoring against the Islanders, and he, he got you a nice little bag there. So. <laughs> he, he did, yeah. He scored the first goal in that game, which, yeah, did uh, – it was a nice little win on that one, but uh, no, I mean the Flames played good and they still had their third period push, right? Like they were they were there. I mean, Kadri scored with about five minutes left, and and they were kind of all over the Devils after that. I mean, they had the puck in the zone, just wasn't able to get that that full zone control where you actually set up and 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 uh, run these guys down, which sucks. But I still thought it was a pretty good game from the Flames. Mm-hmm. I, I did too. I mean, it was just it was just one of those games where you could tell that the devils are the devils and we're what we are. It yeah. wasn't for a lack of effort or a lack of like, hey, we're not playing hard here. Like this team is playing with a lot of heart right now. 90% of it is because of the youth movement of these young guys coming in and taking over and you know making names for themselves. On this gauntlet run so far, we're four and four. We've got a brutal, <laughs> brutal road trip this week, starting tomorrow night in Colorado, back-to-back Colorado, Vegas, and then Minnesota on the 14th. Connor Zari, dude, he leads all rookies in points per 60. For reference, Bedard is fifth in that category, all with the least amount of you know games played in yep. that prop. And he looks like an absolute – it's not a small sample size anymore, dude. Like, he's legit. No, and and he's very skilled, like a, a very skilled hockey player. And um, that wasn't his mo when he got drafted, right? Like the, he wasn't one of these guys that was supposed to be a pure skill, like dangling guys at the at, at the line. He wasn't supposed to be that kind of player. But I mean, the way the things have worked out for the Flames, you get a young kid in there like that, and finally gets his NHL debut. Just for the lack of cir- circumstance and, and he's making full advantage of it. He is taking every opportunity and yeah, him and Pospisil are pretty much NHL regulars at this point and they've played 20 games. So um, I'm loving what I'm seeing out of him. I think the way that he, he energizes Kadri is huge for this team, um, especially moving forward. Uh, I just, I, yeah, I love everything he's doing. I mean, He's made a lot of skill plays. Like we've seen him dangle the the Dallas D-man a couple times, the the pass that he had to Backland. But then he's also always in on the play. He's always around the puck, in the right spot. He doesn't have to be making that fancy play to be effective either, which is like just the best of both worlds, right? So yeah, I'm absolutely ecstatic with Connor Zari and what he's been for this Calgary Flames team. Five goals, seven assists for 12 points in 17 games. Again, like we said, leads all rookies in points per 60. 
Average time on ice, 15 minutes. Shooting percentage, 22.7. Like, I always thought Zari would be good. I didn't think he was going to be a game changer, the potential, you know, next all-star of our team. The guy is feisty. He plays with a little bit of an edge. Like that Minnesota game where Brock Faber, first of all, what a brutal, why would, like, he just dropped Zari on his face. I was like, (laughs) Zari gets up and he's like, I'm going after you. Like, I I don't care. And poor Uyghur skating, like, from the other end of the rink to go hop in the scrum because no one's around him. I don't know if you remember, but in the World Juniors that year when him and Peltier were on Team Canada in that Edmonton bubble, when yep. they lost to the States in that gold yep. medal when the ref blew the play down before the puck was even covered, and Zari starts yelling at the ref. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Since that moment, I was like, yeah, I think we drafted a, a good one here. But I <laughs> didn't know I didn't know what his ceiling could be. And now that we we're seeing we're seeing a legitimate producer, and he's only played 17 NHL games. I, I know you saw that uh, that Instagram post by uh, 1929 Hockey, um, just kind of showcasing Zari a little bit because a lot of the fans around the league aren't too in tuned with what's going on in Calgary, especially down in the States. Um, I don't think a lot of teams kind of know what players we have, what's going on. But yeah, he did a nice little piece on Zari and and how his season started and I like stuff like that, man. I mean, I saw in the comments that people were comparing him to Kachuk, a fast, skilled, gritty player. Then the play style reminds him of Kachuk. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like we're going to have a second one of these. So, I mean, as, as <laughs> I'm not going to get too far ahead of myself, but yeah. it's been a really good start for him. And yeah, he's got so much upside. It's just a breath of fresh air. Because, you know, we we were sitting here and going, okay, like, we need a youth movement, et cetera, et cetera. You're going to sell off your UFAs. But if we do that, what are we going to look like? Who who steps up? Who makes a name for themselves? Connor Zary comes in and he's like, oh, I'm already seasoned, bro. Like, I, I'm good. I got this. That's- I'm looking at Connor Zary coming in and doing what he's doing. And yesterday, with the flu bug going around the team, you look at Matt Coronado on that line with Zari and Kadri. Oh, oh, that nice. keep that together, please. Like forever, even when Pospisil comes back, like you can put Pospisil wherever he's he's gonna be effective wherever. That guy is awesome. He's was you know he's under the weather a little bit right now. He did not play yesterday, but I just look at the potential duo of what Zari and Coronado could be. And it makes me really excited because now you're looking and you're saying, okay, Connor Zari can make game-changing plays. And Matt Coronado can release a puck from anywhere, like yesterday's game. He hit the post, bro, from like 35 feet out. Like on Vanacek didn't even know the shot went off. He didn't move. No. But yeah, I, I know exactly what you're saying. You got a game changing play driver and you have a game changing sniper. And those two together are yeah. <laughs> you also That's have a, a good sign goalie. for years to come. You also have a game changing goalie. True, yeah. I guess we can quickly talk about what's going on with the goaltending. So Markstrom gets injured in practice. Yeah, bizarre play. The whole thing was bizarre. I remember I opened Twitter 
and Flames media team was pretty much acting like Markstrom died. It was like the most – it was like, oh, my God, he's rushing off the ice. Conroy just yeah. followed him to the room. I was like, what is going on? Like, what, what, like, what could have possibly happened in practice that would have caused that much of a commotion? And then you look at it, and poor guy fractured a finger. Took a yeah, took a puck off of a a gloveless hand. I'm guessing, or if it got, I don't know if it got like the like the inside of the blocker on the finger, or if like the blocker came off or the glove came off or something. But got a puck where he where he shouldn't have, and so yeah, now we're gonna be missing him for a week or two. Yeah, but I, I mean, I'm okay with that. I mean, we get to see Dustin Wolf in the net, right? And Vladar feeling a little under the weather yesterday. Um. So yeah, back to Wolf, and I mean he was he was solid. Even the game before that, he was great against Carolina. I th- I thought he was really good. That's a good team. Um, they got lots of traffic in front of them in that game. He he had some struggles with the traffic in the first period. Right, both goals were kind of traffic deflections that that beat him. No chance on them, of course. I mean, but. Second and third period, he started fighting through those screens. I mean, you saw him working harder for that. That was the big thing for him. He said uh, on the difference between the NHL and the AHL was the amount of screens and, and and the vision that you get from the crease. is It's a lot harder to find. But, yeah, the second and third, he was working through a team that was screening him like crazy, um, getting lots of point shots, and, and he settled in, and he didn't let in another one after that. I've been very impressed with him. I... I I think he is NHL ready. I think he is ready to move into a backup role. And I think that the organization needs to start make, taking a look and a move to uh, to make that happen. His lateral movement and his athleticism for being such a small guy, it's so crisp, dude. It is. You watch him live, the way that <laughs> he moves and tracks the puck, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, he glides around the cl- crease, like just – Effortlessly, and the fact that he jumps as high as he does before every start with all that like equipment, I'm like, okay, that's okay. And what about like the the crease uh, cushioning? Do you like that or? (laughs) Thank you. Finally, because okay, let's think about this for a second, right? We flames Reddit sends out satanic and demonic rituals in order to get into the head of Jake Ottinger. Yes. Well, congratulations. Jake Ottinger hasn't been great the last two seasons after that, but we also went through an entire organizational reset. So, <laughs> you, you, you know, you take what you get when you're flirting with that sort of, you know, <laughs> demonic stuff. So thank you for finally blessing the Saddledome in some regard and trying to, like, clear the demons out. Uh, yeah, I actually. It. I love it. And I mean, Ilya Solovyov is like publicly known to be like Christian Orthodox. So that sort of, I guess, I did not know that him and Wolf had that sort of, like that's better than any sort of Matthew Kuchuk goalie hug. I'm sorry. That is. Like, <laughs> you're blessing the crease. Like, what? Like, that's awesome. <laughs> it's just, it's really cool. And I mean, I guess we can talk about Solovyov a bit. Um I thought I thought he's gotten better since he's been called up by the game. A lot of the time, like you have a rookie defenseman coming in and you know, he kind of got walked against Minnesota. It was uh not 
not an ideal game, but you know what? Like, I'd rather watch a kid like Solovyov struggle like that in a first game. Like, oh, like, this is your welcome to the NHL moment. Like, I'd rather watch that than watch a grizzled vet looking for a payday make the exact same mistakes. So I'm not referencing anyone on our back end with that comment. It's just, in theory, I'd rather watch a rookie go through the – ups and downs versus someone making not not yeah. eric gustison or uh somebody like that yeah pretty yeah. much yeah <laughs> i mean yeah like it's it's been hard for him right um i mean we've been blessed with guys coming up from the a and having a seamless transition it's not gonna quite be that for Solovyov. um but he has gotten better. I will agree. There, there's been a couple plays where he stood out. I know there was that one um, that he pretty much set up. He walked into the middle, and it was like that's a great offensive play from him. But yeah, his D zone coverage is a little iffy. I think he's still getting used to the zone that the Flames are running this year. Um, but that all comes with time and practice and, and getting used to the guys that you're playing with. But yeah, he's got upside, and, and and I like his game. He's gritty. He's not afraid to step up for his teammates. Um, yeah, I think he does everything pretty well. It's just the fact that he needs to improve on it um, from here. Keep Ilya Solovyov on the third pair. Rotate between Gilbert, Osterley, and if you have the room eventually, you can call up Simone. I'm just saying, Simone was a better option than Jordan Osterley, but yeah. he's a Calgary Wrangler, I guess. <clears throat> I'm not making those decisions, so, you know. It's just very positive. And, I mean, like you said, the flu is going around the group a little bit. So, I guess we'll see tomorrow what lines could look like. I mean, I would assume. Yeah, you never know, right? On, as they were yesterday. I guess with all the positive talks around Zari, Pospisil, Coronado, who obviously with the Wranglers, do we even want to get into it? He was their best player. Yeah. Nine point per game. Like, come on. Like, we, we know this guy's going to be good. It's just a matter of time. <laughs> we we know that Coronado can play at the AHL level. We're, we're not worried about that. Yeah, dude. Like, he can play at the NHL level, too. It's not like before, <laughs> it's not like before we sent him down, he was a deterrent. He was literally top five in every offensive category, and they still sent him down because they're like, oh, Maybe we shouldn't keep him on the fourth line. Oh, well, okay. Well, it's like could have been avoided. Could have been here the whole year is all I'm saying. I'm not mad yeah. about him back, but, you know. Maybe a little bit. Just a bit. But you know what? At the same time, I'm I'm glad that they did that because maybe he did need the A. Maybe he did need to, you know, it doesn't hurt you. And that whole sentiment of it doesn't hurt you, look at Connor Zari. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm just happy that they actually took the initiative to send the guy down to get him more ice time than just plugging him on the fourth line or healthy scratching him for two and a half weeks, right? Like, get the guy play time, and I'm happy that they did. And you knew at some point there was going to be injuries, sickness, flu, and he was going to be one of the first guys to come right back up. And sure enough, that's what we saw. I mean, it took a couple guys getting sick um, for him to be back up, but he's uh, he's back up here, and I, I think he's going to make the most of it. Um, I think you might see a pretty big game out of him uh, in Colorado, or I hope so at least. He was really good away from the puck yesterday. He was. And, again, that little snipe, like he was like 35 feet out, and he shot it, and it hit the post. I was like, what? Can we talk about what Huberto was doing? On that rebound, 
was he passing or was he shooting? The thing that I have a problem with is yesterday. So that that play happens. He he misses the net. That same shift, the Devils score. The people yeah. go, oh, they scored because Huberto didn't score. No, they scored because defensively we were dog shit and gave the puck up four times for all four yeah. goals, including the empty netter. Just terrible, yeah. terrible, terrible coverage in our own end. Guys like Coleman, who has been awesome this year, why would you send the puck through the crease? Why? Our, our breakout is I'm, – I'm actually very glad you brought that up because our breakout in heading out to the neutral zone is an absolute mess right now, right? Oh. Like, how many times do we turn the puck over in our own blue line? It is insane. It's – yeah, like yesterday especially, there was a, an extended shift, I want to say – close to two minutes where it felt like they were never going to clear the puck. Yeah. You're watching just turnover at the blue line after turnover at the blue line after turnover at the blue line. Why can't you make crisp passes to each other? We're like, we want to sit and talk about how bad the power play is. Okay. Well, okay. Well, what's on the power play? What's the main skill you have to have on the power play? You have to be able to pass it. You have to be able to yeah. read plays and you're supposed to have set plays. Can't even have set plays breaking out of our own zone. No, because so, we just turned it over. So implement set plays, both in your breakouts and on the man advantage. Please, please, Lord, just do it. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was – especially yesterday, it was very obvious. Uh, I want to say – I mean, I said the four just to add emphasis to that fourth empty netter, but it's fine. The three goals that were on Dustin Wolf, they were all just terrible D-zone coverage. Yeah. That's another thing, like – that wasn't an issue when Daryl was here. And I didn't think that Huska would change that part, but he did. It's not really something that the group has completely adjusted to yet, or if they're ever going to adjust to it. Because, I mean, Christmas is in a few weeks. You're heading into the new year, and it's still a problem. So are you going to adjust to it? Probably not, is where I'm at. <laughs> so that that's that's... That's where I'm at with that whole system implementation in the D zone. Yeah, so. yeah I, I guess some things don't change, right? Near the Calgary Flames, um, some things are never going to change. And and maybe this is one of them. Um, but you just got to be faster. You got to have your set plays. Um, like that's where teams know that we're weak. And you can see that. That's where they are on their toes, they're up in the play is when we're trying to get that puck out of our own end. And, and you see it every night, the teams are ready for that. So it's on the scouting report. I mean, you got to fix it. That's where teams are trying to get you. So let's talk about a little bit of the team leaders, because this is actually kind of interesting. So Blake Coleman is tied with Elias Lindholm for the team leading goals. Do you know how many goals that is? Seven. So, you know, when you're watching Sportsnet and they're like, Brock Besser has 18 goals this year. He leads the cannot. I'm like, oh boy. I'm like, please don't snap our team leader. Just please. Like, don't tell the rest of the league that Elias Lindholm only has seven goals this year. Okay. We need the trade value. We could we could have had Brock Besser. Like that's crazy. It's crazy. That guy wanted out of that guy wanted out of Vancouver last year, like bad. 
Like, he hated it there. And now, yeah, he's leading the league. I think he's leading the league in goals now. I don't think it's just the Canucks. I think he is leading the NHL in goals right now. <laughs> I'm going to check this <laughs> because I'm, I'm almost so... certain. Okay. Well, I think he passed Connor. Yeah, Nikita Kucherov leads the league in points with 47. In points. 47. Oh, Kucherov leads the league in goals with 19. Besser has 18. So he's tied for oh, okay. with Austin Matthews. Oh, okay. That's still a ridiculous company to be in. I do want to talk about the makeup of the lineup a bit. I think since Huberto yeah. got put with Backlund and Coleman, that line has been very effective for what they are. You can even see Huberto making the plays and connecting on plays that you did not see last year at all, whether they resulted in a goal or not, you could still see that they were being made and you didn't see that last year. So to me, his game, he's probably still going to finish in the 50 point mark this year is what it is. I don't think though that you're seeing the worst of Huberto. I think you're actually seeing him slowly get to some semblance of the player that we know he can be. And that's yeah. a positive thing because I don't think he's been a deterrent. Sure, yesterday he missed the wide open net, whatever. I don't think he's been a deterrent. Since he scored that goal against Vancouver, his play has gone like this. I yeah. didn't notice him for the wrong reasons. And I haven't no, absolutely. Wrong reasons. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree with you. And yeah, I mean, that Coleman backland fit with him uh it is definitely your best option right it's where he looks most comfortable and it's kind of got me thinking since he's been most successful with a couple older veterans you look back to his time in florida did he ever really play with a kid did he ever really take a kid under his wing and and try to and like make him an nhl career you could argue carter verhage because i believe when he was there it was barkov huberto for Hagee was their first line, if uh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but uh, both Barkov and Verhage were pretty much already established NHLers. I mean, Barkov pretty much a veteran, um, and Verhage over the last couple of years has kind of come on, but he was already a pure goal scorer before he even got to to align with Huberto. I mean, Huberto's always been a guy that's kind of like Glenholm. He's benefited off his line mates, and and he's as good as his line mates are. So seeing him with these two veterans, he looks a lot more comfortable with the game. He doesn't have to worry about a kid developing a kid, finding him, worrying that he's in the right spot. He's got two veterans with him, and, and they all know how to play the game. They understand the game. And I think that's helped him a lot more here. And, yeah, it's definitely where he needs to be. My, my thing with that is when he had his career year, he was with Bennett and Duclair. Do we count them as kids? I mean, they were 26, 25 at that time. I don't know if I count them as kids. I count them as, like, younger guys, just not rookie level, like. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, I, I wouldn't say they're rookies, right? Like, I mean, hmm. Bennett had had four or five yeah, years in Calgary. Hmm. And then Duclair kind of bounced around, right? Like, he's been in Ottawa. Like, he's been places. He's played games, but. But I guess it's, that sentiment, it's like guys that have been un, unproven as to what are they and they yeah. fit with him and he had a career year next to them. It just makes me wonder, like, okay, we know that he can stick with Backlund and Coleman. If his game continues to pick up at the rate that it is going, which to me has been positive, 
at some point, I would like to see Huberto with Zari and Coronado. Not to say that Kadri isn't that fit down the middle. I think he is that fit, and I don't think you should mess with that. But at some point, I genuinely wonder. See, this is the part where I'm like, man, why can't Peltier or Pospisil play center? This is where my brain goes because I look and I say, okay, you have Zari, Kadri, and Coronado. Could you imagine if Peltier, one of Peltier or Pospisil were a center and you could stick both of them with Huberto? Peltier has played a little bit of center in his career. Um, he actually, playing for Team Canada, he was mostly a left wing, but in junior, he did play. I think it was like a season or a season and a half of center. So he does have a little center experience, but he is also quite a bit smaller, right? Um, yeah. Would probably get out-muscled in the face-off dot quite a few times. Um, but he does have a little bit of center experience. Pospisil, on the other hand, is the guy that I would prefer to be a center, but he is strictly a winger. Um, I don't think he's ever played center in his life. So... But I know what you're saying. Having those two alongside Huberto with the... yeah. With the Zari, uh, Zari Kadri, Coronado line, like that is two, two lines that are going to produce, right? Yeah, I, I completely agree. Like, especially with the fact that Huberto's game is starting to pick up, and he's looking more comfortable on the ice as a Calgary Flame. You, and you just wish being made. You just wish he would play with somebody a little more offensive, right? That's yeah, I mean, him in a shutdown role. Backlund and Coleman are they're they're great two way players, right? And that's also probably another reason why Huberto's reaping the benefits is he's got these two guys to play defense for him. Um, but yeah, you would like to see him now that he's kind of finding his his flow, his game to play with some more offensive players and see if you can get that point total up for sure. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you're saying. Bet the action on the ice with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use the code THPN. New customers can get 150 bucks instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on hockey. That's code THPN only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Crown is yours. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. Connecticut help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, must be 21 years of age. Age varies by jurisdiction. Offers void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions. Terms and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2023. All rights reserved. Now back to the show. You were talking about how Pospisil is strictly a winger. They're playing him on the wing. Let's talk about Dylan Dubé. Because what is he? What is he? I think I think he needs a change of scenery, dude. I think I don't think he's a Calgary Flame next season. He's not noticeable, right? I mean, he's been waiting for his chance here in Calgary to be that guy for 
feels like ever now. Like it just feels like forever that Dylan Dubé has been a third liner for the Calgary Flames or a fourth liner for the Calgary Flames. Um, but the guy can also play center. Do you give him a shot in, in a higher center role or is it just time to completely cut ties and, and go in a different direction? Because I mean, with all this noise coming into the team, all these young kids coming into the team, they're taking all the attention, right? And Dubé, I think, is kind of just like, holy crap, I missed my window here. I'm not I'm not a part of this young core. Maybe it is time to move. I, I don't know. He's just so unnoticeable. He doesn't, like, he just doesn't do much. He just kind of glides around and, and goes for a change and... And, like, my thing with that, it wasn't, in my opinion, for lack of opportunity. Like, Daryl played the hell out of Dylan Dubé. He gave him a role, and he said, this is what I want you to do. Go out and execute it. Does Dubé have that this year under Huska? Like, I assumed he would have because they have history. Yeah. Again, we don't know that. Again, we don't really know what the relationship is like, but it's just they – this is a guy who's played for – Tuska as a head coach before so you'd think that it would be a little bit more seamless I think especially last year Dubé played a lot with Toffoli and that kind of skewered his numbers up his analytically still wasn't great but he was producing like he had 45 points last year which is yeah you could think about especially possible emerging with the speed that Dubé used to bring Pospisil's bringing it and in my opinion, he's faster than Dubé. I just don't know if and where Dubé is even a fit on this team after the trade deadline. Uh, and what what would he go for? I don't know. The That's the thing, right? Untradeable. Like I'd rather I'd rather trade his RFA rights over the yeah. summer to a team yeah. than trade him at two point three right now. So yeah, yeah. I mean. Yeah, what like what's the return for Dylan Dubé? Do you get a third round pick for Dylan Dubé? I don't think so. Not at the two point three AAV. No. Um, if you traded his RFA rights, maybe over the summer, a team could be like, "Oh, I could fix him. Give me, give me. I can fix him." See, but like that's the Flames. That's what the Flames do. <laughs> yeah, that's true. the the, <laughs> the problem. The problem is, is I just look at the depth chart and I see, okay, Matt Coronado, Martin Pospisil. I did not have Martin Pospisil on the bingo card in September as, hey, this guy's going to steal jobs here. So, Like if you date back to September, could you imagine we're ever sitting here and thinking, holy crap, we might need to get rid of a forward. No, you're, you're like, we'd be clawing and scratching for any forward on the market. Like now yeah, the way that things have changed, you're looking at a, a possibility that, yeah, you have to move a forward in order to get these young guys who want to play, who are playing well game time. Right. So. I just, yeah, there's also discourse about Manjapani right now too. I don't know how I feel about Manjapani to be honest. Analytically, he's still doing Manjapani things like he's still what he's been known to do. I think that 35 goal season skewered our entire opinion of what he could be and of what he is. He scores yeah. 35 goals and suddenly, like in the dome, they were talking about it. They were saying, like, especially like Mikey, he was saying that like he was hoping that Manjapani could be 
like a Mark Stone type after that season, which completely fair. Everything, everything lined up for where you could make that comparable. And then last year, okay, he was hurt. Okay, down year, but he's hurt. Okay, that's an excuse. Well, what's going on this year? Analytically, he's doing okay, but he's not scoring. You kind of need him to score. And so, like, he doesn't look involved, man. Like I I don't know. I, he I, doesn't look involved either. No, that's a thing. Like his whole line doesn't look involved. Yeah. Other than Sharon Govich. I, let's not uh, bring Sharon Govich into this because I like him. Me too. That goal, I t- that goal he scored yesterday was pretty dope against his former team, Breakaway. Ooh, that was nice. A little backhand. Oh, yeah. Put it up where the cookies are, too. I mean, <laughs> he's a very skilled player. My only, like, he's very, I don't understand how these guys aren't able to reap the benefits of playing with Sharon Govich. I mean, he's fast, skilled, sniper, playmaker, whatever. He can kind of do a little bit of both. He's going to find your stick. I mean, Manjapani and Lindholm, they're, they're struggling to find some sort of connection, some sort of player to, to bring along. And clearly it's not Sharon Govich. I mean, how long has this line been together now? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't know. It's just, it's not the same for them. It's. I also kind of understand the rationale of keeping Manjapani and Lindholm together because it's like, hey, both of you don't look involved you're not going to sit and deter the rest of the lines that are producing. So like, that's pretty much your third line right now. Yeah. And if not producing, looking effective, like the Greer, our fourth line is more effective than the Manjapani Lindholm Igor line. Put AJ Greer with freaking Sharon Govich and Lindholm or something. You have nothing to lose. If you do like seriously, AJ Greer is awesome and deserves, uh, a promotion, in my opinion. Oh, me too. They, he should, Connie should tell him that he's got extension papers ready because I'd rather have Greer on this team than Dubé right now. Yep. Yep. Um, especially looking at Pospisil basically taking over Dubé's past role in this team. That's how yep. I see it for future outlook. I don't know what you could get for Dylan Dubé. I don't think it'll be much. I think it's more of a, change of scenery type move speaking of trades so nikita zadorov got traded i recorded a quick analysis video and i left out a few key points because i was rushing i didn't really get all my thoughts in with that why is the third rounder in 2026 i don't know vancouver had a third rounder this coming summer why were they like we can't trade the third rounder this year when we're actually having a good year and the pick will be late in the third round. How did you feel about the Zadorov return? You'll look at it. I mean, you and me are real, like we're realists. We kind of understand how, how the business works, how the industry works. Um, there was so much talk just because we're a Canadian market, right? Like Tanev and Zadorov specifically were there's so much talk around those two. And it just blew up everybody's opinion on, on how valuable they actually are, right? Like, Zadorov two years ago, do you think anybody's saying, holy shit, we should trade a first for fucking Zadorov? No. no. But now all of a sudden, Flames fans think, oh yeah, just because he's been a Flame and he's thrown some big hits and scored a few goals like on the rush, he, he demands a first-round pick now. The guy was practically playing forward on this team for the last fucking eight games of the year. 
I mean, what team is going to trade a first for a six foot six D man playing left wing? I mean, the return is what it is. He didn't want to be here. He requested a trade. He was done here. You got something. You cut your losses and, and you move on. I mean, the whole reason that people are so frustrated with the return and oh my god, Vancouver fleeced Calgary and it's all just because of the narrative and, and the way that it all played out. The trade request. Then he played Toronto and he threw that huge hit. And then Toronto players are talking about, holy shit, we need you on our team. And you're exactly what we need to win a cup. It's just all this talk that inflates everybody's everybody's thoughts and, and ego. But when you go back to the basics and as an NHL GM, you sit down and you look at the analytics. You look at the statistics. You look at how he is as a teammate and in the locker room. None of it adds up to a first-round pick, right? I mean, like, the return is what it is, and the Flames got what they could. And, yeah, media kind of are to blame for <laughs> for what the backlash was, but that's my opinion, at least. Yeah. So you and I have the same opinion of it, then, because that's kind of the drum that I was beating when I made that short little quick analysis video it got a lot of dislikes you look at the channel ratings it's like one of my, the most disliked videos on our page is me talking oh. about the trade so first of all my bad right for <laughs> my mind. second of all the biggest piece that you got back for zadorov you're not going to know what he is until maybe 2032 yeah like it's like six or seven years down the road but yeah, it, you know, like it is what it is. It, it is what it is. On face value, a third and a fifth for a third pairing defenseman making three point seven five when you that you didn't have to retain any salary, which again, in my opinion, was the biggest point yeah. of that move. Yeah, um, there was that talk of Zadorov and Tanev going to Toronto, but they couldn't figure out how to get that to work. Could you imagine if? One of Craig Conroy's first orders of business was to retain two out of the, his three retention slots on Nikita Zadorov and Chris Tanev. When Elias Lindholm and Noah Hannafin are sitting there heading into March, you realize that you double down on the value when they're valuable. Exactly. defenseman. And that was kind of the message that I was honing in. People did not like it. I don't think they're going to like my opinion either, but... Uh... <laughs> Sorry that we're being realists. It's just the way it is. I, my again, like nine sixty was calling the to fully trade and the Zadorov trades like home runs, and they were like, "Oh, this is such a good deal." No, okay, they're not good deals. They're yeah. okay. The, yeah. Like fully trade is bad, bro. As much as I like Sharon Govich, the more that it ages, I'm like, no, that's fully the, the fully deal was bad. I can't. I can't pretend like I'm okay with the fact that we didn't get a first rounder for a guy who's on pace for 42 goals. Yeah. Yeah. And Toffoli hasn't taken a step back either, which is another factor into that. At the deadline, please, God, sell. I think this is Conroy's version of slow burning his vision. Yeah. I mean, he's got Zari up here, Coronado up here, Solovyov, Pospisil. Now Wolf is getting looks. I mean, it, you look at the success of when the Flames do win games, it has nothing to do with those veterans that have a year left on their deals. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. Which 
from a positive standpoint, that makes you feel good about the future of this club. That okay, you know what? Even if we're terrible for the next few years, you have guys that are going to be fun to watch. My biggest thing is, what are you going to get on the return? Because right now, Conroy, the first two trades, to the majority of the fan base, they're underwhelming. In my opinion, he's got one okay trade and one bad trade out yep. of, on his resume. I think he's going to really nail in the head who Conroy is as a general manager, is how he deals with Chris Tanev, Elias Lindholm, and Noah Hannafin. These UFAs, for sure. Because those are the guys that are valuable. Those are the guys you should be retaining on. I know Murray's having a stroke hearing the word retention because we've only ever done it once. Tanev, in my opinion, first round pick. I'm sorry. I don't know how you can... If a team isn't willing to give you a first round pick for Chris Tanev, you might have to consider signing him. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. That guy's a warrior. He's a leader. He yeah. he does everything that a D man should and more. Um, that guy is worth a first round pick for sure. Easily, Hannafin, in my opinion, he's having a great year. Easily, also worth a first round pick. Elias Lindholm, and I guess we can get into him a little bit here. But in my opinion, he's obviously worth a first round pick plus. Yeah. Yeah. He's- is he playing like he's motivated this year? No, and it's weird. I don't know why. Like you'd think a guy in his contract year for a guy that turned down $72 million in July, you'd think that his play would show that he wants 72 mil. He seems like he's content with a measly 64. Oh my god, how is he gonna be able to afford groceries? <laughs> That's I don't know what's going on, dude. It's just Kadri now leads this team in scoring. Coleman has as many goals as Lindholm this year. I guess this puts to bed the whole narrative of whether or not Lindholm can drive his own line because the number of arguments that I've had with people back when we had the best line in the NHL. Oh, it's all Lindholm. Really? Because I, I think it's all Kachuk, but you know, you yeah. your opinion, I have mine, right? Like yeah. I don't know what a return looks like for Lindholm. I don't. I think a team will pay a premium. What that premium looks like, I don't know. How does it look like it's a Foley deal? Please, Lord, no. (laughs) Is it a a young guy and like a second and a third for Lindholm? I would literally... When we record on deadline day and we're talking about trades... I probably would have a meltdown. Like, I, my face would be red and I'll be convulsing. I'm still of the belief that Lindholm nets you a legit haul. When you're going to retain half his salary, too, and you're going to be able to create a bidding war at a guy who eats up a lot of minutes, just from the minutes alone, I think he's worth a premium. Very good defensively, right? So, yeah. Like, again, what you brought up is my fear. We got... Sharon Govich in a third for the guy who led our team in scoring and in goals last season. Because the Flames spent so much time trying to convince Lindholm and convince Hannafin, hey, please stay. You're our priorities. Guys like Toffoli and Zadorov didn't feel like priorities. So they said, trade me. How did you let that get so public to the point where you had no leverage in either situation? Yeah. That is where I'm at with that. Don't do that. You can, 
I'm okay. I'll accept that that happened with Tafoli and Zadorov. You can't go back now. Don't do that. Like for the rest of this tenure, do not make, do not back yourself into a corner where you can't maximize the value on your assets because of your own internal incompetence. Don't do that. Yeah. yeah. Don't do that. And I still believe Conroy so far. He hasn't given me a reason to believe that he's going to be a worse GM than Brad. So True. I'm still holding on to hope that he's going to knock the Lindholm, Hannafin, oh. and Tanner deals out of the park. Yeah. If he doesn't, then we can sit and bitch. But, but I'm still of the belief that he will be able to net hauls for these guys. No, I, I agree. And I'm very happy you brought up Brad because hey, this isn't exactly Flames related, but I got a conspiracy theory, oh and goodness. I think you're going to love it. So the Sho- Shohei Otani, uh, baseball player, biggest free agent name in forever, right? The Jays were in on him. I mean, all these reports came out yesterday. Oh, Otani's flying to Toronto. He's meeting with the team, blah, blah, blah. Like Twitter and everything was just a freaking mess over the Otani watch. Jays are in on him, right? So then the next day, after everybody thinks that Shohei Otani is going to be a Toronto Blue Jay and that this country is going to finally have something to cheer about, like baseball-wise, like this is it. They're winning the World Series. It's happening. Otani signs with the Dodgers for a whopping $700 million. Well, <laughs> if you convert that to Canadian money, almost a billion dollars. Yeah, almost a billion Canadian, um, <laughs> which is crazy in its own right. And I mean, Toronto how are you going to afford that with Guerrero and Bichette and whatnot? So I get it. But is it not a coincidence that Brad Treliving is now in Toronto and the Toronto Blue Jays pull this move? What did Brad do his entire tenure here as a flame? Any big name that was on the move? Oh, shit, we're in on him. We are in on him. We're going to get him. We're fighting for him. It's going to happen. Trade comes, not the Flames, not the Flames, not the Flames, not the Flames. Tell me Brad didn't give the Toronto Blue Jays manager a little advice about how to suck in the fans, get their hopes up, and just crush them right there. That is a Brad for living move by the, the Toronto GM. I was laughing so hard when I saw that. The fact that they were so in on him, everybody's 100% certain he's going to be a Blue Jay. And then the trade comes and he's not coming to Toronto. Like it just, it's, uh, it's not a coincidence that Brad is now there and there's stuff like that happening. I mean, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. That, that whole, it was weird. Like as someone who doesn't even follow baseball, I was like, who is this guy? Why is he so sought after? This is fun. Can NHL free agency be this fun eventually, please, at some point? I mean, you had people on, like, flight radar apps tracking planes flying around the world because they thought Shohei Otani was on the plane. So, yeah, it, it was it was a little uh, psychotic, but, I mean, the guy is a generational talent. I mean, he is he's the McDavid of the MLB and, and more. Um, he can pitch and hit at a superstar MLB level, which is something that is unseen, of, unseen and unheard of, so... Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I thought that was funny that uh, Toronto was up and in on it, and that was the exact same as what Brad did his entire time here as a flame. <laughs> and sure enough, he's in Toronto now. So that's my little conspiracy theory: is that Brad was in on the uh, Shohei Otani Twitter mess yesterday. That's fair. 
And I guess I'm going to end this episode on a more positive note, depending on what light you look at it. Calgary Flames have the fifth worst power play in the NHL. That's we're, crazy. It's only fifth worst. We are better than the power play that consists of Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, <laughs> Big Gentle, Eric Carlson, and Chris Letang. It's ridiculous. How do you have those guys as a five-man unit and you can't score? That's the positivity I'm going to end the show with based on the power play. We have a better power play than the Penguins. How? Why? Don't know. It's a fact. You have Sidney Crosby. Just give him the puck behind the net. How have you not scored a power play goal? You have Eric Carlson and Chris Letang on the point. Crosby just going to sit behind the net and one-timer into Carlson in the slot. Like, it's not that hard. <laughs> you could leave Gensel in front of the net as a screen and you could score. What do you mean you haven't scored? Oh, my goodness. I saw that and I was like, I suddenly am not too upset. I mean, I'm upset. Our power play is terrible, but you look at it and I'm like, how? What? We're, we're not actually the worst. We're not the worst game. one. So, glass half full flames fans. Power play is terrible, but it's not the worst. It's not the worst. Oh, man. Well, if you guys like our content, feel free to hit the like button this time. Thank you very much. The comment button, comment your opinion, your take, whatever. I like engaging in conversation when the conversation is actually logical. I can't absolutely. Really logical conversation with a lot of fans so it is what it is but <laughs> that like button comment subscribe for more content coming out from us and our thoughts on our favorite team in sports so yeah thanks for listening everyone yeah thanks for listening everybody